Good morning. Be alive out there. Did you survive? Uh, I think of what they call Super Saturday now, or something like that—the Saturday before Christmas. They said uh, 135 or 140 million people shopping yesterday. Um, how many of that was you? Yeah. Wow, not very many. You guys are impressive. You're already done. Or if you're like in my house, you uh, pretty much did everything online. And uh, then my wife and I have this conversation about, is that a good thing? Are we putting, are we making people lose jobs doing that? But man, it is so convenient, isn't it? Like, just go to the mailbox or the guy shows up at the door and, and man, everything's done. But um, I trust that you had a great weekend and I know that uh, the next few days are going to be uh, great for you and wonderful and blessed. Um, you know, these, this season, uh, we really just four words that uh, we've thought about. Hope, peace, joy, and today, love. It's amazing how this season, this story, take those words and give those words just meaning. They fill it in. They, they make it alive, what it is to have hope and what it is to live with peace and to have the joy uh, that God always intended that brings into our world. It's in this story that like those, those words become alive, right? And um, the one thing that I've been trying to, to communicate every week and the hope of this series is that with those words, living with hope and, and joy and peace and love and, and the advent of what Jesus did, we, we understand that really, really, this phrase is how we approach this season. As we celebrate his first coming, we anticipate his second coming. So often we get fixated on this historical event and the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, as amazing as it is, is. And we tend to think that like the history of the world hit its pinnacle peak right there. And like we're all looking back, we're back down the mountain looking back up and saying, wow, that was such an amazing thing. But to understand the plan of God is to understand that, that truly the nativity is something that his first coming is something we celebrate, absolutely. But it causes anticipation for the bigger story. And in fact, that th this would be true. His first coming is an event in a series of events that form the plan of God. What God is doing is not in any way close to being accomplished. And actually, his first coming was just another event in this series of events that are leading us to the biggest and best that God has for this world. An advent is hey, we, we celebrate what he did. We fall at our knees at the manger and in awe of the fact that, that God entered into our world and what kind of God is this? But in that, in the faithfulness of him carrying that out, it opens our hearts and minds to something that's even greater. As we read the scriptures, we understand he came once so that he might come and return in glory and establish an eternal kingdom. And so 
this event that we celebrate is, it's an event in a series of events that form the plan of God. And that's what makes hope so much more richer. It's what brings peace into a chaotic, random, unfair, unjust world. How can I have peace? How does this happen? What, why is it going this way? And what, is this all there is? And we understand that no, it is not. That the plan of God is being, it's being lived out and being accomplished. And it actually that he will establish an eternal kingdom where peace reigns. Remember what Isaiah said. He shall be wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, the prince of peace. Of his government, it will, there will be no end and peace will rule over this world. And so we celebrate all of this and it causes anticipation for what is to come. Can I just get you to acknowledge that today if you believe that your best days are yet to come would you say amen amen did you think about just what you what you said your best days are yet to come and christmas is the faithfulness of god that continue to point us that his plan will be carried out now it is true though that nativity does the nativity informs us on the nature of how God comes into our world. There are so many parts of this story that just give us a greater understanding of who God is, how he, how he enters into our world, what it says about him. And so we, we just saturate in the story as we take it in and we, we recognize things about not only did God come, this is how he came and this is what it means. And it just gives us such more of a deeper appreciation for the character and the nature of, of God. And this morning, I, I want to take you to a familiar text uh, and read this. Luke chapter 2. You, all of us probably, you'll read it this week, I'm sure. You probably know this. But listen, and there were shepherds uh, that were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has done. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I've often, and I've done this many times, at this point of this story, we, we stop and we think about uh, who God appeared to. And, and there, is, there are so many cool um, things about him appearing to these shepherds in a field. I, I mean, the point of, of, uh, that is made so often is so true. 
that when he proclaims good news, great joy, all people, there, there is absolutely some correlation with him appearing to shepherds. This profession once had been held in high regard in Israel had become a, a, uh, a distasteful uh, sort of profession now. If you couldn't get a job doing anything else, it seemed like you became a shepherd. Uh, they were often were uh, ex-cons, so to speak, who could get this kind of work. Um, a lot of reasons for that. Um, it was a dirty, tiring, um, 24-7 job. I mean, shepherds became men who, um, they became the lowest part of society. They, become, they became, because of that, it attracted um, the lowest part of society. And they became untrustworthy. In Jesus' time, if a shepherd witnessed a crime, his testimony, though, wouldn't hold up in court because they were considered untrustworthy. They were considered liars. They were, considered, they were unscrupulous type. And the amazing thing is that God chooses to appear to shepherds first. Those people whose testimony wouldn't even hold up in court are the first ones to bear witness to testify to the coming Messiah. You see, he's always going to do this. He's always going to shatter earth's systems, earth's um, uh, man-made uh, uh, kingdoms, so to speak. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to appear to shepherds first. You don't trust the word in court. I'm going to make them the ones that proclaim, give witness to my birth first. I, I mean, th these guys, because of the nature of their job, they, they basically fell off the map as far as going to the temple. They, they weren't even religious anymore in the Jewish culture uh, because ceremonially they could not get themselves clean to appear. Just the nature of their work and, 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 and all of the uh, <clears throat> provisions in the, uh, the Jewish, uh, the, the ceremony. They just stopped going to church because they couldn't really even, they couldn't get to the temple because they worked all the time and they weren't even clean. And isn't it amazing that the ones who often couldn't make it to the temple are the ones who are first in the presence of the Savior of the world. I mean, he's shattering everything, right, in this story. That's why the nativity informs us so much about God. Good news, great joy, all people. And we obviously grab a hold of that when the shepherds are introduced into the story. But you know, as I dug into this more and thought about this more, I realized that this good news that they proclaimed that night, where actually after the angels appeared and after they go see Jesus, they just started telling everybody, right? It says that everybody around them were amazed at this, uh, th these lowest of society people were unashamed, unafraid to just start proclaiming everywhere they're the first evangelists of the gospel they were amazed this was actually predicted 700 years before they did this you see in the book of isaiah if if you know anything about the old testament isaiah is a is a pivotal book it's an important uh text in the old testament it's one that you you need to pay attention to if you want to understand the old testament story 
And it's in Isaiah that if you begin reading Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 5, chapter 10, for about 39 chapters, you're like, whoa, this does not look good. God is, um, you know, basically what he's done is he's, he's used Isaiah to write, listen, all of those nations, Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, Tyre, on and on, you have, you have been, you have, have, have had idolatry, you have had immorality, um, and you have mistreated my people. And because of that, I am going to bring judgment to your nations. And for 39 chapters, it's judgment for God, for, from God. But what's amazing is included in that is the people of God. Also, God is saying, listen, I am going to judge the nations who have mistreated you, and they are idolatrous, and they are immoral. But you, you have forsaken me also, and you have become idolatrous. You have become immoral, and you too are going to be judged. And we see that played out after Isaiah writes these texts as they're carried away into captivity and as uh, the Babylonians would, would uh, literally just demolish the land. He would, it's what you would read for 39 chapters. Judgment. God is ticked off. And you come to chapter 40 and all of a sudden the whole message changes. It, it starts this way with this word. I love this word. Isaiah chapter 4, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You've screwed up. You know it, I know it. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, we know it, we know it's coming, we deserve it, we get it. And all of a sudden into this whole story is another message. Comfort, comfort my people. Why? And the writer starts to write in chapter 40 and then through the rest of the book, through the 66 chapters of Isaiah, why this is comfort. He would say, as you read chapter 40, a few verses later, he said, because there is a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He begins to write that, What the New Testament says is true of John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness calling out, right? And then he gets to verse nine and he says this. Why is there comfort? He says, you bring good news to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And that's exactly what the angels did that night in Bethlehem. That's exactly what the shepherds then mimic as they see the Savior of the world. They proclaim, here is your God. Here is the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And they did exactly what Isaiah predicted they would do But what are they going to say about this king? Who is this king? And the writer Isaiah continues to see, to say this. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. 
You and I would expect this, right? And sovereign Lord, two words in the Hebrew for, for God. Adonai, Yahweh. Adonai. Um, it's that, that, uh, that word for, for God that is um, used only in the New Testament. It's the word master. It's basically greatness, ultimate power. God is Adonai. He is the most, he is the ultimate power. He is the God. Yahweh, that personal name of God, that personal presence with his people, that this ultimately powerful God is actually a personal God. And so he is Adonai Yahweh. This God, that's why you should have comfort, that the sovereign Lord comes with power. It's a combination he links power and love, transcendence and intimacy. And he says, and he'll rule with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. If you're like me, you're like, recompense? It's blessing. His rewards and blessings come with him. You see, when the angels proclaim, behold your God, that night in Bethlehem, They were proclaiming that the sovereign Lord has entered into this world. I know he doesn't look like it right now. (laughs) He's a helpless baby in a manger. But he is the sovereign one over all creation. And he comes with power at Christmas. But this power is hidden from the world. It's wrapped in the humble packaging of flesh and blood. But the promise is that this one who came in that hidden power comes again in power and might and glorious power as he returns to this earth. And one day, on the day the Father has appointed, Christ will come again with the gracious reward that he won for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And you know what? If I, if, you know, I could close the book up and say, okay, Comfort, comfort your people. There's something better. The hope is that this sovereign Lord is coming into the world and he's going to rescue us. That's what they always had believed. They knew. And I would say, great. But Isaiah doesn't stop describing this one who's coming. Yes, he's the sovereign Lord. We get that. And so there is... Okay, he loves because he comes and rescues. But listen to what Isaiah continues to say. He tends his flock like a shepherd. The image is not just of a sovereign Lord, but of a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Basically, Isaiah is going to say, you want to know who this coming king is? You want to know the nature and character of this coming king? He is the sovereign Lord, but he is a gentle shepherd. One who tends, the words guard, guards his flock. 
He gathers his lambs. The idea is those who are weak and vulnerable, those who can't keep up, can't stay up with the pace, the shepherd would gather them up and carry them along. He, he gently leads those who have young, those who are vulnerable, the young mothers, young children, those who are the most vulnerable in our society or in, in, a, in a culture. He gently leads them along. And the image of this coming king, the, the one that he proclaims, Isaiah proclaims in Isaiah, and the one who the angels and the shepherds proclaim, he is the sovereign Lord, but he is a gentle shepherd. And I want to remind you of that today. Because what is Christmas? What does it mean that Christmas is love? God loves. Well, I'll tell you, it, 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 yes, Isaiah is saying, listen, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his mighty arm, and he, he is coming back. He is more than just bringing judgment. He is bringing hope, reconciliation. He is bringing the, the, the promise he continues to help us to understand the nature and character of the one who does that and he is a gentle shepherd remember what jesus said i am the good shepherd the word he uses for good our english kind of it's not it's not good it breaks down a little bit. This is a word for like, he is the perfect in all ways shepherd. He doesn't ever get it wrong. He knows exactly how to be the perfect shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is where I want to land today. I want to remind you that this Messiah, this baby in a manger, who is he? He is the sovereign Lord. But he is a gentle shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And in this, we understand what love is. Can I remind you of this today? You've probably heard this before. But I want to remind you just what a shepherd does and who a shepherd is. Can I remind you that sheep are really simple animals? Simple would be a nice word. Essentially, they're, they're dumb. They don't learn well. They're extremely difficult to train. I mean, think about it. You ever went to a circus and seen sheep? <laughs> you can even train donkeys. You can train dogs. There's even a flea circus out there. There's nothing that has anything to do with sheep and circus. You can't train them because they're just too simple. And because they're so simple, they need someone to provide care and oversight over them 
all the time. 24-7. Never leave them on their own type thing, right? You probably have one of those kids, don't you? That one you don't ever leave on your own. Sheep are like that. They're simple. They cannot take care of themselves. They are not smart. They are dependent. I mean, think about it. Have you ever seen a wild sheep? You haven't. You haven't even seen a documentary on a wild sheep. They're so dependent. They're vulnerable. They don't have good eyesight. They don't hear well. They don't know how to find water on their own. They have to be led. It's amazing. They don't even have the ability to clean themselves. They have to have a shepherd who is willing to sit down and clean their fur, clean the parasites off of their fur, clean their face. They won't do it. I mean, you have dogs and cats, right? They're all the time grooming themselves, correct? They know what to do. Sheep don't. They need someone to care for them. I mean, it is an, a demanding job. The sheep are, they're a restless kind of animal. They will not lie down and rest unless they are well fed. And they will not lie down and rest unless they uh, are unless they are getting along with the other sheep that they're with. They have to feel safe and they have to feel full before they'll rest. And so it's always the responsibility of the shepherd to make sure that they are well fed and that they're getting along well so that they then can experience the rest that they need. I mean, if you put a sheep in a pasture and you let them graze, here's what would happen without a shepherd. They would eat all the grass. They would not leave that area. They would stay there. Then they would begin to eat one another's excrement. They're not moving. They're just going to eat. And then they would die. Because they're, they're unwilling to move. They have to be led. You know, if they roll over, they can't pick themselves up. They have to have somebody roll them over. They get lost easily. They have no sense of direction. They have no sense of coming home. It's not old yeller coming home, right? It's amazing sometimes with dogs, like, they just have this radar. Sheep are not like that. Once they start to wander, they're gone. In fact, that's why one of the most pivotal verses in all the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And as they are lost easily, they are in, ta- they are in danger because they're so simple of getting lost, being attacked, killing themselves by drowning or falling off cliffs. I mean, 
I, I shared with you, they don't even know how to clean themselves. There's even stories of sheep that, because of that and the parasites that will, lay, that will stay on them and the attraction of flies and stuff to that, that flies will sometimes get up in their nasal cavity and it will so irritate them that they will bang their head until they will actually bang their, they will, they will kill themselves. They're just, they're fearful. Running water, what they desperately need. They will not go close to running water even if they're, 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 thirsting to death they're so fearful that's why often that a shepherd would dam up the waterway to make it still waters so that the sheep would then move close are you getting a picture of what it takes to be a shepherd i mean this is like <laughs> this is a lot of care i thought my four kids were a lot this is beyond the scope of that. You can't even hardly train them to do anything. You have to, it's like taking care of an infant for their whole life. They're helpless. They're vulnerable. They're stubborn. If they walk into two rocks, they won't put it in reverse. They'll just keep trying to go. Don't start pointing at people. There's even been stories of the ancient scriptures that because a sheep would be so prone to wander, it just, he didn't know how to, he would break its leg and then carry it on his shoulders, training it to stay close to him. It's about to the extent you had to go. To be a shepherd is an all-encompassing life. To do that kind of role, you are all in all the time. And you love those sheep or you don't do that job. Do I need to remind you that the scriptures refer to us as what? Sheep. refers to him as the good shepherd and if you were honest and if I were honest we know that if we're left to our own we get lost so easily we can't get out of our own way I don't know how to do what's good for me to be honest and I'm always always trying to take shortcuts or do things that actually just they damage me truly in this life you and I as you can see the condition of this fallen world we are we are our own worst enemy we're like sheep who are in desperate need of a shepherd and this king, this sovereign Lord, I get that. And he loves because he came. He wants to just go, he wants to kind of shatter your image of him a little bit to make it even bigger. Break it to make it enlarged. That he actually conveys himself to you and I as a shepherd. What 
What does that mean? That the nature and character of the God that we have is one who has an all-encompassing love. Who cares, provides, leads. You, you know, if you went to England today, there's, there's more sheep there than there is here. It's kind of one of those professions, England and Ireland. And you'll see that, that the way that they move sheep is they drive them. The shepherds use dogs, and they nip at the heels of the sheep, and they drive them in a direction. But if you go to the Middle East, even today, shepherds have had this, from these days, it's not like that. The shepherd is walking out in front of the sheep, and they're following him. And they learn his voice. They at least learn that. That's the thing they can learn. And they learn that they are so dependent, so vulnerable, they have to know one thing, just the voice of the shepherd, and the shepherd will guide. He will provide. He will protect. He will guard. And if they know the shepherd, their life is going to be completely fine. They are going to be fat and sassy, so to speak. But it's because the shepherd assumes this all-encompassing role of loving and out of that love providing and protecting and guarding everything that they have and do. And so when we think of Christmas and the proclamation the shepherds gave of the Savior, we have to understand that they mimic what Isaiah had predicted 700 years ago, that this sovereign Lord would come into the world. But what he wanted us to understand even more than that is that this sovereign Lord is the one who is a good, gentle shepherd to his people. And for me, there is nothing more loving than the role of a shepherd. Because I mean, you are everything to that sheep. You lay down your life for that sheep. That's exactly what this king did and does. And I would remind you today, you are more loved than you could ever imagine. I'm sure there's ones that have come in today and, and, and the circumstances of life have caused you to just live with doubt and despair and maybe some confusion. And I would remind you that the king who came into this world is a shepherd who comes alongside you and cares and nurtures and provides for you, who wants to lead you to still waters, who wants to put you in green pastures, who wants to restore your hurting soul. Maybe some of you today have come in, and to be honest, you could, you could identify very easily with the 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 wandering part of the sheep. I've been thinking about that old song, prone to wander, uh, prone to leave the God I love. That's our story, isn't it? What does the shepherd do with the, sh the, the sheep that wander off? He doesn't abandon them. Remember, Jesus said, man, if there's not... A hundred sheep, 99 are there and one wanders off. He will do what? He will pursue the one. He doesn't abandon you when you wander off. He pursues you 
And when he finds you, he doesn't, you know, teach you a lesson. Gently picks you up, brings you back to the fold. And maybe this morning you would say in this season, when you think about God, you just have a, over your, over your, over your heart and mind, there's just guilt. You just, ah, man, I want to remind you of who this king is. A shepherd who loves his sheep. And so this morning, when we understand this is a season of love, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Well, what is that glory? What does love look like? Well, Isaiah says, I want you to know what love looks like. That That little baby in a manger, he's the sovereign Lord. He started this. He's going to accomplish his mission. He's going to come back and establish his kingdom forever. The nature and character of God is this, though, that this king, this sovereign Lord, is a good shepherd. And would you understand that that's what love looks like? Love is in the life of a good shepherd exactly who our king is today you are loved cared for more than you could ever imagine allow your heart to be filled with his goodness and i invite you this morning to stand and we're going to finish by just reading together one of the most common familiar texts of scripture We identify with this so much because this is exactly what we know we so desperately need. And it's what we cling to in the greatest of times, in the darkest of times. This text always comes back to us, right? Because this is what we want and this is who he is. And this is love. This is what love looks like. This is a God who is self-giving. He lays down his life for his sheep to nurture, provide, care, guard, and protect. And so would you read this today? Before I start, I'm sorry, this is the NIV. Most of you have memorized this in King James, probably. I started reading it first service in King James, and everybody's looking at me like, that's not what's on the screen. So this is in the NIV, but let's read this together, would you? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.
we sang this earlier, we're, let's just lift our voices this morning and let's just, just make this our anthem as we leave here. and dwelt among us and the glory of what that is. But Lord, as Isaiah is trying to express to us and as the shepherds proclaimed and mimicked the words of the angels, good news, great joy, all people, this Savior who is born, he is the sovereign Lord, but he is a gentle shepherd also. And the nature and character of our God is not only a God who rescues, but a God who is there to nourish, provide, protect, for us all the days of our lives. He's the God that surely goodness and mercy will follow us. So Lord, as we celebrate your coming, 
on that night, but we anticipate your coming again. We just rest and trust in the goodness and the grace and the love of our good shepherd. Cause us to trust you more, to rest in you completely, to experience the fullness of the love that you have for us. You will guide, you will protect, you will direct our lives. We can trust and rest in you today. Go with us. May we have a Merry Christmas as we celebrate your coming into our world as Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas.